Hola, me llamo Sandrine. Bonjour, je m'appelle Christa. Welcome to Step Into Mondays, the podcast where we bridge the theory to the practice. We take whatever is put out there in research and whatnot and make it in approachable chunks, I guess. We try to make sense of it so you can make sense of it. So you can use it in your classroom. Exactly, exactly. So welcome. If you're a first-time listener, we appreciate you finding us. And uh, welcome back. If you are a returning listener, we are glad to have you again. And if you like what you hear, make sure that you share with your colleagues and that you follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you know when new episodes come out on Mondays. And Krista, why don't you tell us how they can reach us to check to chat with us? Well, there, there's so many ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Into Mondays. You can look at our Facebook page, Step Into Mondays and message us there. Or you can email us at stepintomondays at gmail.com. And we even have a Google voice where you can just call up and leave us a message. And do you have that number? Because I do. It's... I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't either. I have to look it up every time. But it's 205-440-2889. And Call us and tell us stories of language mishap. We're still trying to put together that episode with a bunch of stories so we can share with students. So share those with us. Right. It really, really helps students to know that you have made mistakes too. And yes. that is a natural process of language learning. So we and really, really want that. Yeah. The more of us can share that, the better it is. So hit us up. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk small victories. All righty. You want me to go first? Uh, you can if you'd like. Well, you know, I was trying to think about it, and I feel like one of the small victories that we accomplished last week was we got our um, presentation on how to use podcasts um, in the <laughs> classroom did. done for Sculpt. <laughs> So yay, that was that was a small victory, actually. Mm -hmm. But the one I was really um, thinking about is, um, as you know, last week, I was a little bit frustrated with my students. Um, <laughs> a little. <laughs> it was exam week, and I had done everything but stand on my head, right? I mean, I made a video that was guiding them through all the process. I posted it. Um, you know, on the announcement page and I sent them an email and text message, all this kind of stuff. And I still would get these emails. What's the password for the exam? I'm like, really? You know, I don't understand. Uh, what am I supposed to, what conversation do I do for talk abroad? I'm like, well, this is the second conversation. So, you know, conversation dos. But, you know, I was really, really aggravated. I'm like, these kids just don't listen. I, oh. so, I met with some students last week as well because they were really stressed out about the talk abroad. Mm -hmm. And I got an email from one on Monday morning and he said, oh, Dr. Chambliss, he said, my talk abroad went so well. I didn't even realize the 15 minutes were up. And he was, and I was like, what, what, how is that possible? And he said, because you know what? He said, I did the prep activities just like you told me to. <laughs> <laughs> victory I had a student who listened to me so you know he really he did the um he did the prep activities and he actually gave me some good advice he said that he thinks we need to move the second prep activity before the first conversation and have two prep activities for conversation oh, one okay because the second activity is actually how to prepare for a conversation. And the first one was all of the repeat it, please. Could you talk oh, okay. slower stuff? So he thinks that we should do all of that together 
mm-hmm. before the first conversation. And I thought, hmm, something to consider over the summer. But my small victory was that a student listened to me and what I told him actually worked. <laughs> Imagine okay. that. You know what you're talking about. I know, I know. That's funny. Yep. So what about you? All right. So I have two. One is that Sunday I started working on my taxes. Oh, look at you. I have been putting that off because I was like, oh my gosh, we live in one state, but all of our income at 98% came from a different state. And I really did not want to deal with it. I can imagine. So last year was a weird year on so many levels. And so I started looking at it and it was quite terrifying for a while, but now it's, it's good. I've got that. So I'm like, Right. So, well, they're not finalized because I'm still trying to figure out whether we claim Emily or not. Ah, yes. And um, I need to see how it affects her on her side because she didn't get to make much money last year since, yeah, you know, she didn't get to work for so however long because of a small thing as a pandemic. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, my other victory, and I'm so excited about it. And I actually was going to tell you before when we were chatted, but I held off for it. So you know how I've been talking, how I want to start another podcast. Yes. And I've shared somewhat, but not really. I've kept it very close to the vest, but it's something that would be aimed at helping students improve their reading proficiency and their listening proficiency. So it would be in French. Mm -hmm. So it would revolve around stories. And I've been struggling because I was like, I don't have time to write stories. I don't have inspiration to write stories. So I can't write my own. And then I thought, well, I could take stuff from the open, um, from the copyright free uh, areas. But what I'm finding is old, it's decrepit, it's ridiculous. They talk for 20 pages to tell you something that could have been done in three sentences. Yeah. And it would have required a lot of editing to basically recreate it. Well, the other day I was listening to a podcast. (laughs) You You get hit with that twice today. But I was listening to a podcast, a French podcast, and usually they talk some kind of crimes that they they talk about various crimes. Well, did you know that Charlie Chaplin's casket was stolen after he passed away and was buried? No, I did not. I didn't either. And I was listening to that whole story and I thought, I have it. I need to take, there are so many of those crazy things in the world. Mm -hmm. I just need to go find them and make stories around that yeah because and that one I have it it's it's mapped in my head so it was like oh now I just need to find the time to write it down that's this and do some more research on it excellent yes I'm super excited so hopefully by this summer I can kick that into high gear and get it going all right fabulous so yeah woohoo uh, and it's funny, that can actually ties neatly into our topic for today. It does. We are continuing the TPRS, right? The yes, storytelling. we are. We so have, we... Yeah, two episodes, right? On, mm-hmm. uh, on what it is and how to do it. And you guys got to hear us uh, yep. a little, learning a little bit using TPRS. So today we're going to talk about what you do if you are tied to a textbook. Yep. <laughs> Because that was my thing, because I discovered it. And, you know, I think we talked about it when I discovered it. I, I will, and you and I have talked about it, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard about TPRS. We didn't know what it was. And after Actful, the way, the way Actful happened, a lot of the vendors reached out afterwards. Mm-hmm. And for that one, it was like, hey, well, you can message us to get your coupon so you can place an order or you can talk to us and see, you know, what we're about. And I thought, there is my chance. And from there, I was able to do a training session. And I was like, you know, this is great. This sounds like so much fun. But I have a textbook I have to use. And my colleagues expect me to use that old, outdated, crappy textbook. Yeah, I don't like the textbook. Tell me how you really feel about the book. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm sorry. It's over 10 years old. Yeah. It's not even online. Yeah. They have not bothered. I think that's a pretty good sign. We're looking at activities one day. They were talking about DVDs. Yeah. And a Blackberry. Yeah. Those kids are probably going, what's a Blackberry? I know, right? They laughed and they were like, when when they saw DVD and they kind of had a moment of going, what is that? I think they might still have a real computer rather than a laptop. Yeah, I know. I know. So, you know, it's very grammar oriented. Uh, the communicative activities are anything but... Right. Um, you know, because they prepare the questions and then they ask the questions and they talk about it because in life, that's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We prepare. You knew all the questions that I was coming up with, right? You knew all the topic. You knew everything what I was, I was going to ask you. So, yeah, so it's not the best to actually get proficiency. So that was my struggle as far as that. Like, that's great, but how do I incorporate both of them? And we did have a conversation when we did the training about that um, to see how you, you could kind of work around it. So mm-hmm. I'll share how I work around it and we'll talk about um, some advice that is also out there on the, on the internet. Not a whole lot of it, but there's some. Right, right. And, you know, we're not saying that all textbooks are horrible. No, we're not. But, you know, there's no such thing as the perfect textbook. And um, so you can actually, what we're saying is that whatever textbook you have, you can make adjustments and adapt uh, your book to more a more proficiency-based approach. Right. Um, so, and, and, you know, we can, we, um, that's what, that's what our goal is really is to, to, to help you with how you can take what you've already got and tweak it a little bit. Right. And then, yeah, if you, if you have that textbook, you know, you're forced into it, but you've looked at TPRS and are thinking, man, that's kind of fun. And my students are really enjoying it. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, with the high repetition, I thought they're going to get bored because they're, you know, they're college student, um, at a university where they are pressed for, you know, being super smart and just really, it's really pushed on our students, like that whole high academic mm-hmm. result and, and, you know, production but, you know, and all research, of that. Right. But research and language learning shows they have to hear it. I forget, what is it? 18 to 20 times right. in order to, yeah, they have to hear it 18 to 20 times in order to really get it into their brain, into their memory and, and retain it and learn it. And so, yes, repetition is, is key. And that's one thing that I think, especially at the higher ed levels, we miss so much is because, you know, we've got to hurry through the book. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, in mine, we are covering 11 chapters in 13 weeks. Yeah, see, that's ridiculous. You can't possibly do that. No, and each chapter covers three grammar points plus Mm -hmm. the vocabulary, plus Mm -hmm. expressions, plus everything else. And it keeps jumping around. So the students, I mean, they get whiplash off of that, the way it is made. And I mean, they've told me, they've been like, I don't know what's happening here. And, you know, I feel like we keep going back and forth. And it's like, well, you're right, we keep. So... I thought TPRS might be a fun thing to try with them. And yeah, like I said, I was worried that with all the repetition that they would get bored and be like, okay, you asked the question already while you're asking it a different way. Mm -hmm. But they keep telling me, no, they're loving it. They really think it's, they think it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially since we're making things up, they finally caught on to that fact that we're making stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're sitting in North Carolina, you don't have to tell me you're sitting in North Carolina. You can tell me you're sitting in Egypt for all I care. Right. And that's the whole part of it. Mm-hmm. So, but before we go any further, just in case we have people who just um, found this episode and have not gone and listened to the two other episodes, which I recommend that you go and listen to those two, especially the second one where we where we're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but why don't you take us through a th- small recap of what is TPRS? Okay, so TPRS is, um, is um, teaching, you know, through storytelling, basically. 
teaching proficiency through storytelling. And a lot of times people will get that confused with TPR, which is the total physical response method where, you know, you give them a com students a command and they go do it or, or whatnot. So this is a little different. So you're, you're going to be telling them a story and, mm -hmm. you know, the students, you're giving them lots and lots of comprehensible input. And the students are hearing the language and demonstrating their comprehension, um, you know, in, in a, a variety of ways um, before they actually start producing the language. Um, so it's based a lot on input. Right. Input, and, input. and there is a lot of choral response and then individual response. So you might have most of the stories that I've seen will start with like the, the one that from the sample that we had, we, he started with slide two for us, but it starts with, and um, there is a boy, the boy's name is George, mm -hmm. right? And we started when we did Japanese with like George was somewhere in Japan. <clears throat> but let's take that first one. There is a boy, um, his name is George. So you start with, there is a boy. And then you ask, is there a boy or is there a girl? And then they'll answer choral response, boy. Yes, there is not a girl. There is a boy. Is, is there a boy? There is a boy. Okay. Is there a, uh, you know, is there a girl? No. Oh yeah, no, there is not a boy. There is a girl. So you keep going around in circle and it's actually called circled. And then you're going to add information. So you, you're going to start talking to students and going to ask them, are you a boy or are you a girl? Right. And then right. they'll tell you I'm a boy or I'm a girl. And you can you can turn the tables on them. When I did it, obviously, we were all adults. And um, one of the characters, it was like, well, I think one of the students embodies the character. And so when he asked the person, are you a boy or, or a man? The, the guy answered, he's like, I'm a man. And he's like, no, you're a boy. You're George. George is a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's kind of funny. I, I ended up being Lady Gaga. So being that completely different person. So you can add, you add other characters and they can be themselves or they can be somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you can keep adding that information and then you add, and then when you come back to it, so it goes over several lessons um, and then you do recaps of the story. So you constantly, you keep going back um, to the same thing. Yes. So, yeah. Exactly. So, so they, they do, you're right. There is a lot of input, but then as you're asking question, it also encourages them to, to create a little bit more. So at first they have to rely on you to give them the information and and then you add it's not just what's on the slide you keep adding to it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so can i can i just ask a question i'm sorry no questions allowed no questions are allowed <laughs> Man. oh you know what you're my friend okay i'll, I'll allow you half a question no <laughs> so you know my methods students um, I meet with them on Monday evenings and um, they always have, they're a great group and they always have such good questions. So we had talked about, you know, the effective um, practice, the core practice mm -hmm. about, um, about uh, authentic texts. Okay. So how, how do you incorporate authentic text if you're making up the stories? So, well, you know, we have that whole debate on authentic text. What is an authentic text, right? right. Mm -hmm. There's that whole debate. But if you go to the, to the bare original definition, I guess, of something that was made for the native speakers, mm -hmm. you actually can incorporate that. And they have in their, in their lessons, because you can, I mean, you can buy all of the stuff from TPRS, um, and they have documents and you can do, and so you would read the story that is already made and you would go with that same principle. So you're still able to incorporate that. So you would want to obviously find easier texts. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to find the academic article and put it for them to read. You'd want to find the shorter thing, but you can do the same thing. So you could find a, a storybook for children and reading it together. And so you might read a paragraph or you might just read a sentence um, and you'd want to do it on the same topic that you have already covered, right? Okay. You don't want to do it on the on the brand new material because then that's way too frustrating for them. But you've done a story maybe on clothing that revolved around clothing. And so then you find an article that has something to do with something about clothing, whatever it could be. Maybe it's a fashion show somewhere. Maybe it's a new trend. Maybe it's something. And you're going to go exactly the same way. So you're going to read that one sentence and then you're going to circle. So you're going to find the one element you're focusing on. Is it the complement of the story? Is it the verb? Is it the subject? So what are you focusing on? And you're going to keep those asking those questions that are surrounding it mm-hmm. so that they're pulling that meaning. And when they're comfortable with it, then you're going to add something. So then you can add, ask them their opinion. You can add something else to the story, you know, keep going that way. And then you're going to add with the rest of it and keep going that way. And they also have some with movies. I have not looked at those yet. The movie talks? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not looked at the movie talks yet, but basically it's a similar idea. You're looking at something and then you you keep, in a way, it doesn't sound pretty, but you keep pounding them with that same information. Right. Well, you know, I think though sometimes like what my, my students were all like, uh, we talked actually about the PACE model for grammar instruction, mm-hmm. right? And so I showed them a lesson that I do, you know, like what I do every day. And right. they're like, but that's not an authentic text. I thought you had to use an authentic text, you know? And I said, well, authentic texts are ideal, but sometimes you're not going to find authentic texts that cover or talk about what you need. And I said, what I'm telling them is, is really authentic because this is, it's about me. It's personal. It's about my life. It's what I do, you know? And so it really is authentic in that it's a, it's like a conversation I'm telling you guys about myself. And so I think sometimes everybody gets caught up in the authentic text, authentic text, authentic text. And I think, you know, we, we do have to kind of revisit that when we're looking at certain things and go, well, it is authentic in its own way. I do think as well, um, you have, it depends on how comfortable you personally are with creating that material. Yeah. And it might depend on your proficiency level. It might depend on your comfort with just creating texts. That's true too. Yeah. Um, my BA involved creating writing. Mm-hmm. Creative writing. What did I say? Creating created. writing? You said created. Oh, sorry. I meant creative. I know what you meant. It's all good. <laughs> I can but- read your mind. You forget. I know, right, right, right. Even at a distance, you can read my mind. Um, but yeah, so it was it was dealing with creative writing. So I I feel very comfortable creating narratives. Mm-hmm. And then I'm dealing with my native language too. So at that level, I have no issue with that. But if I had to do it in Spanish, I might be a little bit more hesitant. Right. So finding something already done is definitely a nicer, a nicer thing. I know it's done by people who hopefully have proofread, although we know anything that's printed, there's always some errors in one place or another. Mm-hmm. So it helps. And then, but then you're right, finding the absolute right topic that you want, we can go down that rabbit hole forever. And that's a truth. And then a lot of times it's the whole question, right? Of, oh, well, it's beyond what they have. So maybe you just take part of that text. Mm-hmm. 
because it, mm -hmm. it takes a while. You don't do one story in one day. Right. Um, the story we've been doing with my students currently, we're on what lesson? Well, we're at least on lesson seven and we just finished it. All right, so tell me then what, you know, what did you do? So you've got this textbook that jumps around. Yeah, so, so I have this textbook that jumps around. So I just warned my students ahead of the semester and I said, okay, we're gonna hit certain things. And the way I've presented it to them, so I see them three days a week. So I said, two days we're doing um, this TPRS, one day we're doing straight up grammar because I can't get, I don't have a choice. Right. I yes, really because the expectation is that your students will be, quote, prepared, you know, prepared to fill right. in the blank with the subjunctive. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. So I have to do it. So I was like, so on Fridays, we're going to hit straight up grammar so that oh, Friday can... you ruined their Friday with grammar. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, oh. we have fun Monday and, and Thursday, All right. and Friday. All we right. just do it this way. We close it that way. See, the way I work it, though, is throughout the week, they go through the textbook. So then it's kind of the culminating part of it. Right. Where on Friday they get to ask questions of whatever they have, which incidentally they typically don't, but um, they have that. But then I'm also aware as to what's in each chapter. Mm -hmm. And so I know, for instance, that we're talking about food and I know that we're talking about clothing, right? We have those units. So the story we're starting tomorrow is actually a story about clothing. So we're going to weave that in there. And then I know that somewhere in the book, we talk about to go, Ali, and preposition. So these have been incorporated throughout because uh, we talk about the person goes to Chicago or goes to New York or goes somewhere. And then they typically don't come back for it, but we kind of talk about it. Um, on was a week before last, that Friday in the recap we were doing from what had been in the chapter, it was dates, months, days of the weeks, etc. So we incorporated that on Monday. So we're talking about our person and what she was doing because she was, <laughs> she was wanting to, our story was um, our main character wanted to be super smart. And so to be super smart, she needed to read a difficult book. And so she goes to one place to find a, a library, ask them if they have a super difficult book and they don't. So she goes somewhere else. So when we were going through the recap, I was like, oh, when did she go there? Mm -hmm. So the person gave me a date and I was like, oh, what day of the week is it? And I was like, I don't care if it's right or wrong. It doesn't matter. So she just picked a day. My, my person picked a day and it was like, Oh, it's Monday, August 25th. Mm -hmm. Was it on a Monday? We have no clue. We don't care. Right. right? Um, my celebrity that was in there was Elton John. <laughs> you love Elton John. What is that? I know. I just pulled it out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, Elton John, you know, what do you think? And so Elton John had gone to Colorado to a library as well. And he had a concert in a library in Colorado. And so I'm asking him, oh, well, when did you go? Well, he went on Monday, February 22nd. So our dates don't line up at all, but that's okay. Um, our, main our main character from the story, after going to one place, she goes somewhere else. And she decided she was going on September 11th. <laughs> which she made on some day as well. It's probably the math probably doesn't work as far as the days, but who cares? The idea was we are using those terms together. They're incorporated. So did, you, did you come up with the story outline? Actually, no. Okay. But I could. Um, so when I did the training and on their website on TPRS, they have different um, places where you can get information, but they have like one 
slide. I think it's just one slide that they share and then you can kind of use that. And I can't remember if it has that whole basic story of the first kid or not. Um, so I took that, but then I tweak them a little bit. So the first story we have in the TPRS story, uh, the person wants a Coke and is looking for a Coke. That didn't make sense to me because lining up with my chapter, that would have been the one on school supplies. So he was looking for a notebook. He couldn't find his notebook. And so he was looking for his notebook instead of a Coke. So I kind of replaced that information. And um, when they did, um, they did um, actful, they had coupons. And so when I talked to them for talking to them, there was a little thing with a wheel that you could spin and see and get some, some prizes and whatnot. And one of my prize was 60% off. So I used it to actually purchase the PowerPoint presentations. Ah, okay. And then now I have the, the, you know, I have the base, but you can edit them. So you can change anywhere you want to. Uh, so if you want to put it in the past, then the story can be in the past or you can put it in the present um, because you have different themes. Um, their stories go in one pretty much the same format, which I guess is important for students because then they know how it goes. You have a person, the person has some kind of a problem. They're trying to find a solution. So they'll go somewhere talk to somebody to help them. That's not going to work. So they're going to go somewhere else and then that's going to resolve itself. Okay. And so that's kind of the basic idea. So knowing that you can create anything that you'd want okay. on, that, on that basic idea because then you keep recycling it. So I look at what I know my students will need to be comfortable with and I incorporate that in the stories. Okay. So like for the dates, we incorporated the dates. And afterwards, the students told me, they were like, oh, I appreciate that you incorporated that after we talked about it on Friday. It was nice to see it in context. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing. I mean, you have mm -hmm. to give them some type of context. Right. So, so they had that. Um, like I said, the one that we're starting tomorrow it's going to be on clothing. So it's going to revolve around colors and types of clothing and all sorts of things. And then you've got the basic sentences on your screen that you're sharing with them, but you build up from that. You don't just stick with that and just mindlessly with it, you add to it. So you do have the basic with the core responses where they're all answering yes or no, like you and I did. Mm -hmm. Then you go to your individual and you assign them some roles. So you don't assign a role to everybody at every class because you'd never get out of your story. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, you as a teacher is a character um, because then you can add and you have control over that part of the story. Um, in each class, I try to assign an expert and I try to change it from class to class as to who my expert is. So then if I ask them something, so like the last story we did where she's looking for a difficult book, she gets to a library and they have difficult books. And so I ask them, how many difficult books do they have? <laughs> because then, wow, we're incorporating numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So from there I went around and I was like, well, what do you think? So they all had a different answer. And eventually somebody has to decide. But if I'm the only one who decides, it's not as much fun for them, right? So I picked an expert and I went, so-and-so, you're my expert. So how many books are in that library? And the funny part is that student actually changed his answer from the first part, went with something that was a little bit higher, a little bit more difficult. And then because they're trying to say other things, they actually are trying to incorporate what they've seen and try other things to add. Um, one of my students, I mean, it was kind of funny in one of the recent classes because 
So our character found her hard book and it's a book by Einstein. And we're like, well, but it's difficult. She doesn't want to read it. And one of them, one of my students, I was like, well, do you want to read that? And he goes, of course, I'm super intelligent. I read it every single day. And he gave me 90% in French. Cool. Pulling, putting that together. So they're trying and then, um, said something else like but you know she wants to be smart so she 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 wants to read it and incorporating it so they've seen things that we've used things that they have not specifically seen in the textbook yet but I know they will need so that's the part that's what I've been trying to do that's the way I've been trying to break it down Mm -hmm. um I wish I saw them more so that we could do more of the story and really add a lot more details to that. Um, I do know when we did the training with Craig, you know, he said the story, a lot of times for a school year, they might do two, potentially three stories because you keep adding, you keep building on to it. Um, You know, with the various element, I think as I get more comfortable with it, more proficient with using it, at that point, I will definitely be able to really add things. I mean, I still have to write all of my questions that I'm going to ask them ahead of time because <laughs> otherwise I have to think about it and waste time. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's about how I work it. Okay, cool. So um, what... What then would you advise teachers um, to do who have to cover, you know, certain chapters in a textbook? How, how do you recommend, what's the first thing that they should do if they want to use storytelling? I think is be aware of the what the students absolutely have to be comfortable with. Okay. Um, so whatever knowledge they have to know, you have to be aware of it ahead of time. So it's kind of a backwards design kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking at what they need to know, then you're looking at your story and you are pushing it in that direction so that that information is being used. Um, I think one has to be prepared with the fact that you're not going to be able to follow your textbook at the same, in the same order or in the same uh, uh, pace that the textbook might go. Because I mean, we're having to do a chapter a week, right? Basically, that's what we're doing, a chapter a week. Well, we're not doing a story a week. Right. So I have to incorporate some of the elements from the other chapters um, in there. But then I was aware when I started my first story that, okay, well, we're using, you know, and we had the basic of the name. That one started with, you know, there's a boy, his name is George. And so then you're going, what is your name? And what is this person's name? And, you know, what is this person? And what is this and that? Um, Also be ready. Some students will notice things and some are never going to notice anything. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) when... You know, so they're not used to have to look for those details. So they are completely miss them. But with preposition, you know, anybody who teaches French will know that you're going to have a and you're going to have en and you, je vais à Paris, but je vais en France. And, you know, you're going to have all of those. And um, one student asked me and said, okay. I noticed here you're using this and here you're using that. What is it? And that's your pop-up grammar. Yes. So you might have some pop-up grammar. You might make them notice things. So when we were going through that, because we were describing a person, we had a lot of adjectives. Mm -hmm. So then at one point, I actually brought it up to them. And I was like, hey, what do you notice here that's happening? Right. So we hit that. So I would say that's one thing to be ready for that. It's going to be, it's not going to be very uh, directional with your textbook. It's not going to be fully parallel to the textbook, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. 
And so you probably want to learn the, uh, warn the students as far as that. Yes, because students have a tendency to think you've got to go page one, page two, page mm -hmm. three. <laughs> and you're not going to use all of the vocabulary that you are finding in the textbook. But I mean, how much of that vocabulary do they retain actually use? Well, you know, and it's interesting, there's a lot out there about, you know, the 200 most frequently used words in a language, and that really, that's what we should be focusing on, especially yeah. at the lower levels, you know, because, and, and, and it's always, I love it, there was a particular textbook that we used um, for a long time, and, you know, scuba diving was in there. Now, mm -hmm. I scuba dive, I'm certified, I love scuba diving, it's fabulous, but the majority of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a frequently used word. I mean, how often do you talk about scuba diving in your everyday life? Right. Not a whole lot. So really? why is, I talk about it every day. Uh, you know, and so, I mean, well, you know, and it's just so interesting because I'm like, that is, I don't know why it was included in, you know, activities that you like to do. I'm like, especially high school kids. How many high school kids are going to do that? And mm -hmm. even first and second year college students. I mean, it's just not, uh, you know, something that happens often. Now it did for me. And so I looked it up, Faire de la plongée sous-marine. I looked that up for, because I was interested in it mm -hmm. when I was learning French. Um, but yeah, we need to think about that. And it's okay if students don't learn every single vocabulary word in a chapter. Right. It is. And um, I was looking online because honestly, that was kind of a conversation we had when we did the training with Craig. And as far as, you know, what if I have to use a textbook? How do I kind of combine the two? And then I went with my gut feeling as far as what to do. But before we started to talking today, I looked up what information is there out there and I found three sources which I will in, I will add the links in the show notes but all three of them basically say you will not use all the vocabulary from the textbook mm -hmm. so pick the one that you think is the most important right uh, one of them was talking about or I think it's in the comments actually where they were talking about how they to supplement that, they use um, quizzes or Quizlet Live or what are the other ones, you know, that are out there that work a little bit more on the memorization. Because then it's a fun way to do it and incorporates it. Students have looked at it. You know, it's there, but mm -hmm. it's not part of the story itself. Because right. there is there is no way. And I mean, like you said, some of those words are not, we don't use every day. So, right. So that, yeah, that's the thing that I would actually, you know, really, really think about with, um, with uh, your, um, with your students and what are they going to need? I actually was talking about that last night with, mm -hmm. you know, my, um, my method students, because one of my students is in a, in a very odd situation. So for her to do her like little micro teaching mini lessons, she's actually teaching some colleagues of hers at her school. Okay. Um, and so she asked them what it was that they wanted to, to learn. So she taught them school supplies, which makes sense because if they need to communicate with ELLs, they need to know do, how to say, do you have a paper? Do you have pencil? You know, different right. things like that. And so I was like, you know what? You need to think about the verbs that we use the most. What do you use? To have, to be, <laughs> to do, to go. Mm -hmm. Those would be the verbs that they would use the most. Now, of course, they're all irregular, but, um, yeah. you know, that's what they're going to need the most. So you really have to think about that with all of your students. Um mm -hmm. And, and, and look at it from, from that perspective. So, um, so what if you, you know, you're not very creative. What if you, oh, I don't know how to write a story. I don't know how to create a story. I mean, what, what, what should a teacher do? I mean, the good news is that TPRS 
is very well recognized. There's a lot of information out there. So they themselves have um, information. So like I said, the whole thing with the PowerPoints that I bought, because um, I had a fabulous discount on it. So when you go to a conference, look up, look them up. Are they there? Will they have any kind of discount? And then you can go and just purchase that. And then you have a basic or, you know, have one story that's already done that you've purchased and then you can tweak it because the basic formula remains the same, right? You change your character, you change the places and what is the problem? Yeah, but that's that's the idea. You have you're presenting that character. That character has a problem. What are they doing for that? Right. So that would be it. Um, of course, you and I talk about collaboration a lot. Mm -hmm. Find another teacher who is developing that or who has developed that some of the lessons and then you can work together. You can trade Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they can share some that they have used and then you can trade other things. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, with having at least one base story, then you can change it and it doesn't take that much as far as creativity after that. Um, you know, and like I said, the slides that they have, you can update them. So it's nice because they have the question words as a reference with their translation. Yeah. And you have the images, so it tells you a lot of things. Uh, one day, I was talking to my students with not doing the story, and I'm like, what is she going to do? Where is she going to go? And all of them are going, she's going to Chicago. And I'm like, they are so smart. How did they figure this out? It was on the slide. You have the picture with the person with an <laughs> arrow and the star. And next to the star, it says Chicago. <laughs> like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you figured it out. Like, wow. Um, so they have, and, but you can kind of adapt and change if you want to. So like I said, the first one I did, they were looking for a Coke. So I removed the Coke bottle and I replaced it with a book, with a notebook, picture yeah. of a notebook. Mm -hmm. Except for the last few slides, slides where I forgot to change it. And now I realized it and my students thought it was hilarious. Yeah that I had not changed it because they knew enough to recognize it, you know, that I was the one that had messed up, but they knew what was going on. So that was the thing. Um, and one of the articles that I'm looking at, mm -hmm. um, they say, you know, first go through the textbook and make a list. Right. And you want three columns, one for this is crucially important for students at this level. One for this would be nice if I have time to get to it. And I love the category for three. Who in the world thought this was necessary for students at this level? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I love that one. Um, <clears throat> so you know, you're going to list your verbs and it doesn't matter if it's an, a re regular or irregular. If they're using it at that point, you have a little chart, you add your little verb chart in there and they can refer back to that so they know what they're using mm -hmm. um and the the what's in the column one is what you want to use for your tprs story so that would also help creating the story because then you know i'm trying to use this i'm trying to use that right well and two you want to i think one of the keys too is personalize it right mm-hmm you know, exactly. I, and I, that's the thing. So last night when I did my lesson with my method students, they were surprised because, I mean, I had pictures of myself, you know, getting out of bed. I mean, I didn't have on pajamas. I had on clothes, but, you know, of getting out of bed, drinking my coffee, you know, going about everything that I do during the day, working in mm -hmm. my office. And, um, you know, I had pictures of my family because it's like, okay, I have to take my daughter to school. I have to pick up my grandson or, you know, whatever. And so they were like, wow, you really share with your students. And I do because they, they, they like, I like for them to see that I'm a human being <laughs> with a life, with a family mm -hmm. outside of the schoolhouse, because so many, so many students don't realize that, I mean, they just see us in the teaching context and don't realize that we do have other aspects to us. 
And so that's important. But then, you know, I can say, okay, well, I drink coffee every morning. Do you drink coffee? Do you like coffee? What do you mean you don't like coffee? And so you can expand it, right? And, and make it more personalized to, to your class and to your learners. And I think that's another reason why it's so effective. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's something personal. And let's face it, we all remember things about us. <laughs> yes. No, we do. And that's the fun thing See here, since they get to create um, the whole story, the whole narrative, they'd also, and that's what I like too, they don't have to be who they actually are. They can be somebody completely different. Mm-hmm. So it incorporates, and you can incorporate anything. You can make it as weird off, you know, that as that you want, or down to reality as you want. So you can actually, you know, the conversation, and we've had those conversations to make sure that it's integrative. Mm-hmm. You can make sure that it is with mm-hmm. your characters in there, with the storyline, with however it goes. Because there is no normative dictated by a textbook. You get to pull what you want. And if that's the direction the students want to go in, you can. Now, if they get, because I mean, I'm dealing with more mature students and some people might have middle schoolers. Middle schoolers are not necessarily the most mature kids, right? Right, If it gets inappropriate, then you say, no, this is not appropriate. We're not doing it. Right. And you redirect to something that is school appropriate. So you you still have that, but they get to personalize it and they think it's so much so funny that they can do whatever they want. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing, you know, at first my students were like, because they're so used to all oh, we have to tell the truth, quote unquote truth. Right. And so I would be like, oh, where are you? And they're all like, well, I'm in North Carolina. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm in Catapulco. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what? And um, eventually they caught on, you know, of the various stuff. Now, I use some of the examples we did in the training because like, where do you go? And I was like, and I actually took from a stole from Craig who was like, oh no, I'm in Idaho and Idaho is so exotic and whatever, you know, he was really, but you're selling it, right? So I, that's what I did. And I was like, oh, I'm going to Idaho because it's so exotic. It's such an exotic place. And I think that's the point where they caught up with the fact that I'm making it up. There is no truth to any of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to the Museum of the Potato because that's the place to go. And so that's when we had Elton John who decided he was going to go to Colorado and he was just going to go to a library and he was going to sing there, mm-hmm. you know, with various things. Um, and so that makes it a little bit more fun. And that's the part where they said it makes it more memorable for them because they're the ones who created it. Exactly. And it's putting it in context. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. which is the nice thing and I mean obviously I'm only halfway through the semester but I'm very excited to see when we get to the end and they're doing a conversation with somebody that's completely off the cuff that is not memorized to see how they do mm-hmm. but and and I've had them with their because they'll write too <clears throat> so you know like when we did our um our demo right when we took part of it then we had the moment where he got to it and he goes okay now resume the situation what's happening right describe the situation that's the words they use describe the situation and you're going back through right with everything you can saying oh there's a boy his name is George and he's in whatever place and you know I'm in such and such place and she is in whatever place and you kind of go through you have multiple students doing it so I do that every once in a while I send them to the breakout room with just two of them and they alternate and they keep building the story or sometimes I'm like all right write down the story what do you have and then yesterday I actually incorporated the part that I shared from Flank with Lisa Bartel's session you know that I shared with you with the who uh what um, all of that. I can't remember all the questions. 
but you know, you have it and they have to decide one person, what are they doing? What happened? What's their decision? What's the consequence? So I had them actually do that with the story yesterday. So it was interesting because they all picked from various area of the story. I mean, we were finishing it up. So some of them went more toward the beginning and some of them were more toward the end but they were creating, it was not fully memorized. They were trying to create with the language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the part where I see it, but I can't wait to see them when they actually get in a conversation and be like trying to put it all together and see what they can do with that. Yeah, I think that'll definitely be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be fun, but they've certainly enjoyed it. So I'm like, well, they're, they're enjoying French. I think they'll be more willing to keep going with French going, you know, I remember my first semester, we did those things and we're creating those stories. And I remember this and mm -hmm. I think they'll be a little bit more than they'll remember. And remember, you know, this is a methodology. It's not mm -hmm. the only one. It's not the best one. It's, you know, and you don't have to use it for every single thing. You know, you can, again, you can pick and choose and, you know, use it for some units and maybe not for others. It's really, I mean, you are in charge of your classroom. So, you know, you take what works best for you and your students. And there might be, there might be a chapter that really lends itself well. And then there might be another one where you're like, I don't see how this would work. You don't have to do it for every single thing. Exactly. I mean, that's something I came across it. I thought, you know, I'm, I've been curious about it for a while. So I'm going to take that opportunity that's coming my way and I'm going to look into it. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun. And I was getting a little bit bored with what I was doing. So I thought, let me try this and see what happens. Right. Um, now, maybe in the fall, I'll keep doing it. Maybe I'll go to something else. It all depends what I'm doing in the fall as well, right? If I have a better textbook, maybe it'll be something that we do once a week and we carry it over and the rest of the time we do other activities. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, task-based teaching is also quite, quite interesting, I think, to learn the language. So there, there is multiple methods, like you said. So Absolutely. Absolutely. But since we talked to them and it's like, I mean, that's, that was the question in my mind the whole time I was talking to Craig. And when I did the training, I was like, well, this is good and well, but I still have a textbook that I have no way around because I don't have control over that textbook. Right. Right. Exactly. So it was, how do I get around it? How can it be done? And it can so if you're trying to find other things, it might be the easiest way to get around the textbook or not, because we're going to talk one day about how to take textbook activities and make them a little bit more communicative, maybe a little bit more fun. So absolutely. So if you guys, you know, again, if you guys um, have some stories that you would like to share with us, things that you do using TPRS, or if you have something that maybe a question that we didn't answer, let us know, please. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And if we don't have the answer, I have Craig's email. That's right. We'll find it out for you. So, um. <laughs> so we'll find it out. But um, although I think this episode is coming after Scolt. Yeah, because it's coming out Monday. But um, they will be at Scolt and they are somewhere they have a presentation. Mm -hmm. So that will still be available afterwards, right? Yes. Yes. Um, all the Scolt presentations will be available through June. Okay. So go check it out and reach out to them if you have any more questions as well. So go for it. Absolutely. So I guess now we're ready for our aha moment. We are. So you were listening to a podcast. I was. Mm -hmm. And I... It was interesting. So the podcast I was listening to is called From Page to Practice. And in that podcast, a lot of times she'll have a guest, but she also has a book about pedagogy or teaching languages. And she asks people if they have read it, their impressions and all of that. And I wish I remembered the name of that book. But anyway, in one of the conversations that the people were having, Actually, I don't think it came from the book, but she was talking about it and said that 
somebody in a presentation mentioned when you're doing comprehension questions, include I don't know as a response. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because she said, you know, I saw that and first time when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's stupid. (laughs) Isn't that our response every time when we're seeing something? We're like not used to it, makes us uncomfortable. We're like, that's stupid. I don't want to deal with that. But then listen to the explanation and especially in comprehension, if you're doing multiple choice, students might try to force a guess. So then you don't know whether they actually know or whether they guessed. But if you include, I don't know, as a response, it makes it a valid response. And then you're aware of, okay, I thought, you know, 90% of my class got it. But in reality, 75% of them just guessed right, but they didn't know. So I thought that was interesting because mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of multiple choices, but depending right, what right. you're doing... I guess it's something or maybe if you're doing an open-ended and rather than leave it blank, they can tell you, I just don't know. I didn't understand the text. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's not a bad thing. Um, No, it it gives you something. And I think if they tell you that, then maybe some form of a credit, obviously not the full credit for it, but some part of a credit for it because they let you know where they were standing rather than fake it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I thought that was interesting Um, I'm still pondering on that one yeah yeah I hear you well so I was reading um, in this little um, devotional book actually the one that you gave me for Christmas and so it was talking about (laughs) worry imagine that (laughs) worry can sap all of your energy using up all your strength and making you too bleary-eyed to see God's blessings And I was like, ouch, because last week, again, I mean, I know that it, I think everybody's that we're ready for spring break and we don't get one at my university. We're not, we're not getting one because they don't want students traveling. And so I think that was, I mean, I was just so stressed out and so anxious and I was so worried. I'm like, what am I not doing? Why are my students having all of these questions? I feel like I have been as clear as I can possibly be. And I was so stressed out about it. And then I thought, you know, I got to let that go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This worry is, it is, it's sapping all of my energy. Um, And, you know, why am I worried about, I feel like, I've had to kind of accept that, you know, I've done everything that I can possibly do. I mean, my kids read the instructions and they're like, no, mom, this is pretty clear. It's on them. If they didn't Mm -hmm. read the instructions, it's on them. If they didn't follow the instructions. And so I've really had to let that go because the worry and the stress of, of all of that was just exhausting me and I'm like you know I can't do that be especially at the higher ed level they do have to take some responsibility for their learning I mean it can't all be on me right they have to do some of it and so I'm like okay what is 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 it really worth it is all this worry and stress really worth it what 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 am I gaining from it nothing so I'm really working on trying to remember that and that it's on them. It's not on me because I feel like I've done everything that I could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I can't worry about that anymore. I've made a video. I've posted it. I've texted it. I've emailed it. I've, you know, I've done all the things that I can do now it's on them. And I'm ha- having to let that go because I can't, I can't let it take over my life. You feel better now, though, don't you? That you've I, been able to like let it go. You don't have the yes. weight of the world on your shoulders. Yes, yes, it's it's much better. It's it's much better. But I was like, wow, you know, and 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 I, I mean, just what it says. It's like you know, God didn't put you here on this earth so that you could spend half your life worrying and the other half asleep. I mean, that's not what you're here for, right? <laughs> Right. So I'm like, wow, that really hit home. I'm like, okay. Yep. So guys, you know, it actually hits on what I was telling you before we started recording, right. That I was listening to another podcast, the one from A.M. Bialik, where the, her guest was saying, 
um, you know, trying to control things and trying to control people is a sign of our, of my anxiety. Right. And it kind of, I think goes hand in hand because then we're worried. So we're trying to control things and then we get more worried because it's not working. Right. Right. Yeah. We just have to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Well, alrighty. We hope you guys will share some aha moments and small victories and anything that you have with us. Um, and I guess that's kind of a wrap, is it not? I think so. I think it's a wrap. We've got a story. We got TPRS. If you did not listen to any of the episodes with Blaine, the creator of TPRS, and Craig, uh, who's been one of the trainers, and I don't know, he does a lot of things over there, uh, go and listen to them. Episode one talks basically what it is, where it came from. It has funny stories, which they're pretty funny, so you definitely want to hear their, their story fails. And two talks about actually has the demonstration. And then at that point, because we have it under our belt, we're able to better discuss and ask those questions. We also talk in there about assessment. Mm -hmm. So go listen to that. And if you like what you're hearing, again, share with a colleague, you know. Or give us a five-star review on Apple. Come on, guys. Yeah. We haven't had new ones in a while, so go do that and follow us so you know when we're coming out. So anyway, that's it. Hasta lunes. A lundi.